the Physician's Practice Pearls Podcast. This is your host, Gabriel Perna, Managing Editor of Physician's Practice. And with me today is Jennifer McLaughlin, Senior Associate Director of Government Affairs for MGMA. Jennifer, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Jennifer, we wanted to talk a little bit about this bipartisan budget bill that passed uh, on Friday. And, and this is kind of a, a low-key health care bill tucked in a, in a budget bill. Uh, there's a lot of elements that affect the health care landscape. What are some uh, of the bigger ones that affect physician practices? Sure. I, I think that's a very appropriate way to describe this bill. There are uh, a long laundry list of healthcare items that we're still working our way through and trying to dissect and understand how they will play out through the rulemaking uh, process. As your listeners certainly know, the devil is often in the details with these types of policies, but right out of the gate, I think I would mention the repeal of the IPAB um, as a huge weight off of Uh, physician practices shoulders that was going to be the unelected um, and really um, sort of panel that would not be accountable either to the voters or to um, certainly the stakeholders who, uh, you know, MGMA represents and it would be triggered uh, after Medicare spending exceeded a certain threshold and then would implement mandatory cuts that would be really difficult for Congress or even uh, the regulatory agencies to step in and modify or avert. Uh, And so we are really pleased to see that uh, provision in there. We've been working on that for about the last eight years. It was part of the Affordable Care Act, so really pleased to see uh, IPAB repeal in there. Um, and also pleased to see uh, a number of changes that we had been calling for to make the implementation of MACRA much more sustainable. And I'm happy to get into the details of that, Gabe, but I wasn't sure if you had any specific questions. You mentioned some interest in particular about uh, the changes we're expecting in MIPS. Yeah, let, let's uh, talk a little bit uh, about the, the MIPS changes. It seemed to be kind of a small change, uh, but, but it has a big impact. Why is this an important change uh, for MIPS? Sure, I would, uh, I guess, want to really point to three different small changes that, like you said, have the potential to make a big difference, especially in this transition period. And the first uh, pertains to one of the four categories of MIPS, that is the, the cost category. And this category of all of them is shrouded in the most darkness. Uh, I think so many physician group practices, because we didn't have an opportunity to work with CMS before the MIPS program came about on developing cost categories, and we really haven't gotten much robust feedback yet. I think a lot of physician practices are really struggling to uh, predict how this category will play out. Uh, the two existing cost measures that we have right now, aggregate cost and Medicare spending per beneficiary, are holdovers from one of the MIPS legacy programs that um, really penalized physician practices who took care of high-cost, um, medically complex patients and also, uh, in many instances, attributed costs that physicians could not have had control over. 
So we're really disappointed with that. But what this bill does is it gives uh, CMS more time to actually take a step back and reset, work with the physician stakeholder community to develop and construct and test new episode-based cost measures uh, that will do a better job of putting physicians in the position to be in control of the costs that they're held accountable for. So specifically, uh, this bill gives uh, the Secretary of HHS three additional years before they have to move to full implementation of that category. And it also did away with uh, what would have been a new scoring element for cost in 2018, which was year-over-year improvement. As you can imagine, if CMS is in the process of revising, revamping, and in many instances introducing wholesale new measures in the category, it's going to be really hard for them to track year-over-year improvement and differentiate between changes that are attributable to updates and improvements in the measures and the measure methodology versus real change in the cost of care. Um, So we are pleased to see that Congress eliminated the improvement element of the cost category as well starting this year and then through the same amount of time. So really extending the transition period of cost. And um, one other change that has uh, an immediate impact as well is that Congress clarified what we think was probably just a drafting error in the statutory language in MACRA. That's our sense from conversations with um, folks up on the Hill who are working on implementation and from our recollection of the conversations when we were talking about it, and that pertains to Part B drugs. Um, It seems like they were inadvertently included in the uh, sort of items and services under Medicare Part B that were going to be subject to penalties and bonuses. Um, And because the reimbursement for Part B drugs to physician practices uh, really is just a, a pass-through payment, essentially, for the cost of that drug. Um, it seems inappropriate for those payments to be adjusted upward or downward, like the uh, professional services that are otherwise subject to those payment adjustments. So in the bipartisan budget bill, Congress fixed that um, and made just a, a tweak to the legislative language specifying that any MIPS bonuses or penalties starting in the first year that they apply uh, will not extend to Part B drugs. They'll only apply to services covered under the physician fee schedule. So big changes in regards to MIPS, big changes in regards to the IPAB. Uh, Any other changes that really have an effect on on physician practices uh, in, in this budget bill? No, I would certainly be uh, remiss not to mention the fact that uh, Congress did, in a disappointing update, they did use a reduction in what was a previously legislated uh, conversion factor increase to offset some of the costs. Um, But we were um, certainly pleased to see that what they did take off the table, which had been in previous discussions as a pay-for, was a continuation of a policy that was really tapping an empty well, essentially, for looking at costs within the physician fee schedule that could be revalued. And essentially, 
if not enough of those codes could be revalued, taking sums of money out of the entire pool. Um, and our understanding is that that policy would have resulted in a more significant cut. It was also um, on the table for both 2019 and 2020. So um, we did avert that more dramatic cut to physician payment, but we're always disappointed when Congress does use any uh, reduction to the conversion factor update to pay for some of these policies. But uh, I do want to mention that is uh, the one sort of negative that stands out in an otherwise favorable bill. Uh, does a number of other, um, you know, things that are beneficial for certain physician practices who have certain uh, clinical focuses and also who are located in certain geographic areas. Um, it does permanently repeal the outpatient therapy caps uh, retroactively uh, starting January 1st of this year and also uh, extends the 1.0 work gypsy floor, again, retroactively starting January 1st of this year. And uh, those policies um, don't apply to all MGMA members, but certainly they are a big relief to members who are offering um, speech-language therapy, physical therapy, and who practice in certain areas of the country. My last question for you, Jennifer. What are some of the legislative efforts that MGMA will be focusing on with this budget having now been passed, uh, especially with regards to MACRA and some of the bigger things that affect uh, physicians? Yeah, I think um, we'll certainly be looking at, as I mentioned at the top of this uh, conversation, we'll be looking at how CMS uses this new authority. You know, we really want to make sure that their implementation is in line with congressional t intent, which we think is made even more clear by this action. And that intent is to reduce the administrative burden on physician group practices who are in compliance with the MIPS program um, and really create more opportunities for groups to get out of MIPS and into advanced alternative payment models. Um, and then for us, uh, you know, we're going to be continue to focus on the legislative side on um, continuing to make sure that uh, physician group practices are able to provide high-quality care without some of the, uh, I think, outdated policies that are still on the books. Uh, I think both Congress and this administration have indicated their reception to that. We've been working really closely with the uh, Ways and Means Committee on the House side, they have a regulatory red tape initiative in place, and so we've provided them with more than a dozen suggestions and recommendations for how they can roll back that regulatory burden on group practices. So we'll continue to keep up the pressure um, through that initiative, and uh, certainly we're always asking Congress to roll back the sequestration cuts put in place uh, medical liability reform, maintain the office ancillary services exception, so those types of issues that are very important to medical group practices. We will not, uh, we will not stop beating the drum on those either. All right. Well, Jennifer, thank you for joining us on the Physician's Practice Podcast. Thanks, Gabe.